0: The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 non-profit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com.
1: Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute present The Formed Book Club. Catholic Book Lovers, Unpacking Good Books, Chapter by Chapter. If you like us, please help us by subscribing and by reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen. And don't forget to sign up for weekly updates and study questions at formedbookclub.ignatius.com. Welcome to the Formed Book Club. We begin our discussion of the drama of atheist humanism by Father Arita Dubak SJ. And uh, we're going to a new uh, pattern plan. We're going to alternate between us or among us of who kind of leads the discussion. So Joseph's going to lead it. But of course, i always going to intervene and inter- interject and interrupt. Uh, just to say a couple of things about, because he was my mentor. And, and I knew him at Fourviere, which is a Jesuit theological it was uh, near Lyon in France. And, you know, the date of this book is, this is 1943 that this book is written. It actually came about as some separate articles he wrote. But he's writing this during World War II in France under an occupation. And I know from people who were there that he was actually chased out by the Gestapo because he was part of the resistance. Uh, so here's this man, you know, who's writing this phenomenal book about totalitarianism Mm -hmm. while he is actually actively not just a scholar he's actually resisting this totalitarian takeover and being pursued by the enemy all yours joseph
2: well uh thank you i i do sort of feel it the, uh, the last being first, because I I know that obviously Father knows much more about philosophy than I do, which is a bit of a backhanded compliment because I don't know much about philosophy. Uh, and, I know, and I know that Vivian has engaged with this book. I had not engaged this book at all until I picked it up for this book club discussion. So the first thing I want to say is how grateful I am that we've des- decided to, to to read this because it's a wonderful book. So I'm just going to give some, a few comments with the understanding that Vivian and Father can, can interject, interrupt anytime they like. Um, uh, and but we'll try not to go on for too long so in terms of monologue um, so we can get to a general discussion about the chapter.
1: Let me ask so, you this, Joe, Joseph. Let me ask you this. Yeah. So as someone who this is not your field, although literature is, and we get to associate, I mean, how difficult did you find this? How engaging did you find this? I mean, was it, was it nourishing reading or were you kind of struggling all the time?
2: It's no, it, it, I I I don't think any book which is purely a non-fictional book of philosophy is ever going to be what you would call easy reading. But I wasn't struggling with it. Um, he writes well, uh, and he writes excessively. And you know, I I've dabbled with philosophy, or philosophy. You have to have some sort of understanding of philosophy to be able to write about literature intelligently. So you know, I'm I'm not a a, a tabula rasa, but I, there's so much I didn't know. Yeah, about these philosophers. Um, uh in the case of Feuerbach, I knew nothing about him at all except the name. So you know, I really do feel that up to a point, I am a tabula rasa. At least that you know, one with not much written on me that that can be written over by by Andre back here. And I'm learning so much. I'm deepening my knowledge of, of the roots of the culture of death in which we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been uh, yeah, it's been marvelous so far. Obviously, we've only read the first chapter, but uh, I just can't wait to carry on. Basically, okay. So, at the beginning of the preface, he says at the bottom of page 11 here uh, the negation that underlies positivist humanism, humanism, Marxist humanism, and Nietzschean humanism is not so much atheism in the strict sense of the word as anti theism, or more precisely, anti Christianism. Great as the contrast is between them, their common foundation in the rejection of God is matched by a certain similarity in results the chief of which is the annihilation of the human person. Mm-hmm. So here we have the the, the introduction of a theme. Um, first of all, that that the these modern forms of humanism are not primarily concerned with looking for the truth, but with debunking Christianity, um, that basically we have to somehow destroy Christianity in order to do something else. Um, and so that, that, I think that's important. In other words, it's not an engagement with, with reason. Now, I, I like there's two types of atheists. The noble atheists who's just looking authentically for the truth and can't find it in God. And there's the other sort of atheists who are the vast majority who don't want God to exist. Uh, and and they're, they're building their arguments based upon that mm-hmm. presupposition. Right, the the
1: idea being that that it diminishes man if we put all our our qualities protect them on God and become like subjects. We become slaves. God is the master. We can't develop ourselves. We can't be fully human. That's the, the idea behind it, you know.
2: Exactly. And he's actually very good at at, 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 at giving voice to their ideas. You mm-hmm. know, uh, he, he, he gives them their voice. But as he says, what he, even in that paragraph I just read, the, the consequence is not the liberation of the human person, but the annihilation of the human person. We actually get, by, by trying to free ourselves, we actually become slaves. Um, all right, let's move on. So Feuerbach and Nietzsche, and again, um, if I'm... Pronouncing German wrong, someone can correct me. Um, so, on page twenty-three, uh, that new paragraph there. Um, he talks about through the ages um, that same God in whom man had learned to see the seal of his own greatness began to seem to him like an antagonist, the enemy of his dignity. Through what misunderstandings and distortions, what mutilations and infidelities, what blinding pride and impatience, this came out came about would take too long to consider. And like, this reminded me, father, you and I, um, uh, taught Chesterton, Ave Maria earlier this year. And we, and one of the texts we looked at was Orthodoxy. And there's a whole chapter, and I can not which, which, chapter is now, where he's basically talking about how Christianity is attacked in mutually contradictory ways. And it was that, that the fact that Christianity is attacked in mutually contradictory ways, which made him think, well, perhaps there's something to this because the people that disagree with it, or contradicting themselves, and I and that that's what came to mind when I read that passage. Um, and at the bottom of page uh, full 24, um, it's not the intelligence alone that is involved, the problem posed uh, is one of the human perp, there's the human problem. So it's not a question of reason alone, it's a question of, of who we are. Anthropology man is getting rid of God in order to regain possession of the human greatness that it seems to him is being. Unwarrantably withheld by another. In God, he is overthrowing an obstacle in order to gain his freedom. That's basically what you said, Father. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, uh, the anti-theism of Proudhon there mentioned. Let's move oh, on again. But before
0: you move on, I would just love it to Please. read the very next line. Modern humanism then is built upon resentment and begins with a choice.
2: Absolutely. I, I'd highlighted those that that sentence as well, but I'm obviously trying, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of not wanting to just you know, uh, dominate or whatever the right word is. Um, so yes, absolutely. And, and and so what we find here that, that these ideas are are not objective. Right. They they're consciously subjective. They begin with uh, resentment and antagonism, and a and and choosing that resentment and antagonism as their starting point. So it's not even trying to be objectively
1: uh, engaging with reason. Well, let's also not diminish the intellectual uh, gifts and strength of both the Feuerbach and Nietzsche, And one of the quick qualities of this book is many quotes mm-hmm. from these authors. And typical to Lubach, many pages have footnotes that are more than the rest of the text on the page. So if you want to go deeper and read more quotes, you can do it. It's a beautiful way he presents this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And some of the footnotes are absolutely fascinating. That's the that that is the trouble in trying to make progress because I find myself as engrossed by half the footnotes as by oh. of the, the primary text. Mm-hmm. Um so on to page 33, again, things I didn't know I didn't know much about Feuerbach anyway, and he's basically debunking of, of of Christianity um as something which is man-made, uh, and, and God as something which is man-made. And this, um, but then that how this was influential on on Friedrich Engels and Karl Marx. So the connection between this resentment uh, and um, desire to abolish God with the founders of Marxism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and Engels says here there was widespread enthusiasm. We all straightway became Feuerbachians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dulubak, who is not prone to exaggerating, says he is scarcely exaggerating. In other words, that the Feuerbach basically became a craze that these people jumped on and leapt on and built their own uh, ideas from. He laid foundations.
0: That's right. May I just read a line that supports what you just said? It's back on page um, 26 in the middle. Uh, the importance of Feuerbach is that he was the stepping stone between the great current of speculation known as German idealism And the great current of revolutionary thought and action, which were to be its principal, if not its most legitimate heir, I was so surprised to read this to read this put so starkly that the most legitimate heir of German idealism is Marxism. I that that had never sunk in to me the way it did right here. Anyway.
2: Yeah, and it, it joins so many dots. That's the marvelous thing yes. about this for me. I'm, 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 my book literary converts is, is, it, it, it shows that I'm very fascinated by, intrigued by intellectual history. You know how how ideas mature from and how different people energize other people with what they're doing. Um, and, and so this is from what I was trying to do in literature. Literature in the twentieth century. What what De Lubac's doing here is for philosophy and the. 19th century, and the connections, and it, it's astonishing. Um,
1: mm-hmm. And on this point, you know, yeah. the, the technical name for Marxism is dialectical materialism. Hegel was what they called dialectical spiritualism. You begin with spirit, the absolute, as a thesis, then matter becomes the antithesis, and then the thesis becomes, you know, God becomes himself, the absolute becomes himself, through the uh, di- dialectic, the interaction in history. And Feuerbach said, and then Marx continued, well, that's a great theory, except there's no absolute, you know. The dialectic is all material. And so th- that's the link between Hegel's dialectical spirit and spiritualism that leads to Marx's dialectical materialism. It's all on a material level. Close parenthesis. Very
2: very well explained on a simple level that even I can understand, so thank you. Page 34, he, he now brings the Russians in. Of course, this is very significant, bearing in mind that this will all come to bloody fruition uh, in 1917 in, in Russia. And he t- talks about Bakunin here, who I think was technically an anarchist, but I could be wrong. But either way, he's a, he's a Marxist of sorts. Um, and his quote here, um, middle of the, the indented quote, the bottom of page 34, God appears... Man is extinguished, and the greater the Godhead, the more wretched man becomes. This is the history of all religions. That is the effect of all divine inspiration and divine law-giving. In history, the name of God is the terrible club with which men of manifold inspiration, the great geniuses, have struck down the liberty, dignity, reason, and prosperity of men. So here you see, and it's actually quite well written, even in translation. Um, It's good polemic. Um, But uh, you can see here the irony is when people have this radical hatred of religion, they are the ones who will be wielding the terrible club yes. and crush people's dignity, liberty, reason, and prosperity, right? There's a real irony here that you take God out and you actually become the demon that you say that God is. Yep. We'll
0: return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph
1: Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has that YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
2: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. Or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today.
0: We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Doudreau, and Joseph
2: Pierce. So other things yeah, I did not know that George Eliot, so I'm obviously a literature person, translated Feuerbachs, De Besen des Christentums. I didn't know um, that
0: either, and I circled that. And But I think that going back to that German idealism was so influential in literary movements of this time. You know, even uh, on this continent, we had, um, who's the gal who wrote Little Women? Um
2: Alcott. Yeah,
0: Alcott, you know, and uh and you see the influence of uh transcendentalism, uh, you know, Emerson and, and uh these transcendentalists in America. And where are they getting all this stuff? But from German romanticism and idealism. And yes, I I, I was just stunned by this connection being made here with Eliot also. I, I just it just makes me kind of go back on my heels to think about some of the things I've read in these novels, and as much as I love these writers and I love their novels, um, anyway
2: yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing's interesting here though I mean, immediately after that mention of George Eliot on page thirty five's Nikolai Chev's Chenyshevsky, chief foreign of Russian communism. The thing's very interesting here, you know, is that uh, if if you were a Slavic nationalist, um, you could argue. And I think quite convincingly that communism was Western imperialism, right? Because these are all ideas that come from Germany, mainly from Germany. Mm-hmm. Obviously, other Western countries contribute, but but uh, the, the Karl Marx, it, you know, it's nothing to do with Russian history or Russian culture. It's a Western import that, yes. that pollutes and perverts Russian culture. Um, okay. Uh, what else I want to say? That again, another interesting connection here. Um. Uh. I can't. Couldn't help. Point. Noticing. Page thirty-eight. When Karl Marx extols Feuerbach as a second Luther in the history of human emancipation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The whole idea that 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 atheists um uh see Luther as someone who liberated humanity from the power of the church. Interesting insight, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. And where are we here?
1: Well, the famous quote in thirty-nine. 39- From Marx, at the very end there, that long uh, extract, you know, religion is the sigh of the creature overwhelmed by unhappiness, the soul of a world that has no heart, as it is the mind of an error that has no mind. It is the opium of the people. That's the famous expression Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was pleased, to again, you know, I'm learning so much. Obviously, I knew Marx's famous statement about religion has been the opium or the opiate of the people. but uh, I've never seen it in the context of the broader uh, quote there, which is, very, again, very useful and puts it in context.
0: And I think, though, we need to keep in mind that quote you read on page 23, where de is saying, uh, you quoted it already, through what misunderstandings, distortions, mutilations, infidelities, blinding pride and impatience this came about, meaning, this seeing the church as the enemy of human freedom, this seeing the church as a tyrannical authority. And so now you've got Luther and the Protestant reformation and, and, and Marx thinking himself as a kind of brother in arms of Luther. Well, we can't ever forget that there are plenty of bad actors giving these people plenty of reason to hate them and not on a spiritual level, but on the human level of action. We're so much, man's inhumanity to man was in fact on display on the part of church authorities and civil authorities in bed with church authorities and so what it's going to take to prove again that christ is the one who sets you free not your enemy (laughs) not your enemy
2: yeah i mean you look at history i've just written a book for ignatius press obviously the history of christendom that most wickedness is actually secular wickedness they might they might be you know, doing it with the blessing of the church, but it's normally yes. pure, old-fashioned uh, pride and ambition, uh, both within the church, but mostly without the church. You know, outside of the church. So, you know, the Franks become Christians, but still behave exactly the same barbaric way they did before they became right. Christians. You know, um, so uh, but again, they wielded is, the I, church. Is it fair to, to blame the church for for basically secularism? Uh, that may be wearing a cross.
0: Well, unfortunately, the church, uh, and I don't mean the church, I mean various churchmen allowing themselves to be used. Cardinal Richelieu is just one out of many examples of, he is a cardinal of the church, and he is working for the French crown, and he's perfectly willing to use Catholic Swedes to slaughter Austrian Catholics. I mean, Protestant Swedes to slaughter Austrian Catholics. Okay, so... He, that's just one small example of, the, we, we just, I, I just, it's I'm a, not trying to justify.
2: It's also a sore thumb because it is an exception. In mean, Richelieu, Cardinal Wolsey, these very, very worldly, I mean, they were, certainly they were, they were corrupt Well, folks, I don't know. Were, I don't you know exceptions.
1: exceptions. I mean, how, how many bishops were there in 1535 that stayed with the church? One. Well, yeah. There's, and there's, there's, and there's, there were plenty there's, of others that did not
2: There's difference between active wickedness and cowardice.
0: Yes, but I'm only saying that we. I, I'm not trying to justify Luther. I'm not trying to justify Marx. I'm only saying that unfortunately, there's plenty of fodder for the fire being handed it's over true. to our enemies by our own acting badly. And so, as, how-
2: as I, you know, I, 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 I always say that the two enemies of of, of the church are Caesar and Judas. So, yeah, there's plenty of enemies within the church, and of course, that they do this is more damaging because he's the one that creates scandal.
1: Yeah, I don't want to interject here. It's somewhat relevant. Uh, one of the things I like about the Dubach is he gives their due. Yes. To Feuerbach yep. and Marx and these people, he quotes them. Yep. He doesn't quote them out of context. That's right. And he shows their genius and the, and their greatness and their ability, so that. It's not as if he's fighting a straw man here. In fact, what makes this exciting is you're You're saying, "Well, my gosh, what's he going to say? How's he going to respond to this?" You know, because it's pretty powerful what they're saying.
2: Okay. absolutely, and yeah, and, and he say he does give them their voice. He's a very he's a very fair um, um, interlocutor. Mm-hmm. Page forty again. It's a very telling quote from Marx uh, on page forty, about ten lines down. The only point in which I do not agree with Feuerbach, Marx wrote to Rouge or Ruger on March 13th, 1843, is that, to my mind, he attaches too much importance to nature and not enough to politics. Mm-hmm. Again, that's, that's, again, another key motif here, I think, in, in, in the, this, um, this uh, new humanism of the 19th century is the, uh, the subjugating of reason to power. Mm -hmm. right firebox talking too much about nature he's talking rationally no we don't need all that reason what we need is politics what we need is power we need we need power to put principles into practice Mm -hmm. um again another interesting quote by marx page 41 here the religion of the workers has no god marx wrote halfway down the page because it seeks to restore the divinity of man again yeah i I just wish he could get marx in a room (laughs) And ask him what he means by the divinity of man. Because if man's not made in God's image, what does he mean by man being divine? That's because it good. seems to me at this point this is uh this is an oxymoron.
1: Well, except that the, that's Farback's point is that all these attributes we give to God are really ours mm-hmm. and we misattributed them and we should take them back. So we
2: so we humanize the word divine and make it human. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Um where are we? But but the point is yeah it, it, somewhere in the book, chapter he says however this does not elevate man it debases God that's what happens
0: and when you debase God you debase man yeah. that's where it goes
1: right exactly
2: uh, so page forty three again it's just irony here um, this is um, uh, uh, Nietzsche's memoirs at the time when he was at work on his memoirs those, those memoirs in which Nietzsche himself directed oh no no this is Wagner sorry. Wagner's memoirs <laughs> how about that. Corrected the proofs, sorry? These are Wagner's
0: Bar- memoirs that he has Nietzsche uh, correct.
2: I and, know, exactly. And, and it's doesn't... towards the end of Wagner's life. Wagner still considered Feuerbach the, quote, only real philosopher of modern times and, quote, representative of the radical and categorical liberation of the individual. And, again, the irony here um, to see how uh, how things played out in the 20th century. You know, how these ideas of Feuerbach metamorphosed into Marx, metamorphosed into Lenin, uh, actually obliterate the liberation of the individual, right? They have to become slaves of the collective. It's the absolute complete opposite of what Wagner, and Wagner was very much an individualist, but he wasn't realizing that the, the demons that he was actually in bed with, that's the thats the problem. Right? I know, I
0: was shocked to read from Feuerbach, Wagner received the inspiration for his Siegfried. Yeah. I, I, I was i have yeah. read that i
2: mean, I, I, I love' Bargain's music i've been actually listening to Siegfried in the car today in the um, the, the i come really to be a part of it but I've, a friend of mine in england he 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 uh recorded for me an entire performance of the of the ring cycle from about 90, the early nineteen fifties um uh and it's beautiful so i have got about say twenty fifteen twenty CDs, and I just play them one at a time out of order just whenever but The other thing, see, I'm learning all about Wagner, and obviously I I like Wagner's music, so I'm interested. I did not know, I I knew that obviously Wagner's connection to Nietzsche, everyone knows that, but Wagner, uh, the fact that he read Feuerbach, the fact that he read Schopenhauer, Mm -hmm. you know, I knew nothing about any of this, so this sort of uh, intellectual input, if you like, into Mm -hmm. his views. Um, Well, I'm
1: glad Germany produced Ratzinger.
0: (laughs) No kidding.
1: (laughs) Because what, what we're seeing here is, you know, the evils, that have been visited upon the world in the 20th century seem to all come from Germany. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, actually, if we look at it that way, yeah, Nazism and communism. Nazism and communism. And then we have Nietzsche again here. This is very interesting, middle of page 45. Atheism, he said at that time, is not, for me, the consequence of something else. Still less is it a thing that has befallen me. In my case, it is something that goes without saying, a matter of instinct. So here we have, you know, Nietzsche, a philosopher who presumably, you know, love of wisdom, someone who reasons well, basically saying that his atheism has nothing to do with any rational process. Mm-hmm. Right. He's basically always had as a matter of instinct from the beginning. So it's it's basically he's, he's, he's confessing a prejudice which informs his thinking. That's right. right? It astonishes me that well, this is so, so not yes, anti, anti-theistic, it's also anti-rational.
1: Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of that page, very important, the way to get rid of him, God, is not so much to refute the proofs of his existence, that would be reason, right? As to show how such an idea came to be formed and how it succeeded in establishing itself in the human mind, in gaining weight there. This historical reputation is the only one that would carry finality. This is related to 19th century German historicism, mm-hmm. which on a whole other topic here, we have a book called *The Poor Liberal Arts* by Father Gantz, where he he shows, I think, pretty conclusively, that what began to uh, cause the disintegration of liberal arts—the search for truth and goodness and beauty—was this German historicism. Everything is historical. You know, we don't need to think about what's true. How did it happen? What are its roots? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of surprised to see that uh, here as Nietzsche's main. Uh, a project here. Let's not try and refute the existence of God. Let's just try and construct a narrative in which we can show how the idea of God, you know, arose. In fact, there's a beautiful thing in Chesson, Orthodox Everlasting Man, where he talks about this book about, the title was, The Evolution of the Idea of God by the Author. And Chesson says, I'd rather a book about the evolution of the idea of this author by God. <laughs>
2: Very good, but what you say by the German historicism. This is also critical race theory. The you know the, the dismissal of everything as a an historical construct. So you don't have to engage with whether something is true or not anymore. You just have to show that it was historically constructed, and therefore you can debunk it. Um, That's you right. You say right. this is a process. Nietzsche's uh, yeah, he's impregnated the modern mind.
0: And this is why power ends up being the big player, because if it's power that brought us about through history, then by golly, it's power that can show it to the door. And we now become the agents of history by the exercise of our will.
2: And exactly, where does that lead? Absolutely. Where does that lead? The triumph of the will, half of that being a Nazi slogan. Um, yep, Page 56, about three lines up from the bottom. The, the, this, this, this liberated man, this freed man of the, the Villa zu Markt, um, to whom nothing now is forbidden. That's right. You can actually do what you like. So next page now, once more, the pioneer of knowledge has license to attempt whatever he will. Mm-hmm. I mean, where's that going to lead? Yep. Right. Once you have that belief that I, I can now do as a Superman, as a self styled Ubermensch, I can actually do what I like with the, with the intermention. I mean, we, we actually saw women led in practice, right, in the, in the 20th century.
1: It leads, among other things, to men claiming to be women and competing in women's sports. Because right, exactly. I, you know, my will is to be a woman. I identify myself, to, and therefore I am. You know, uh, we've, we're about past half hour already. I, I hate to get behind on this book, but I also don't like to short-strip it so yeah,
2: my, my, my suggestion was, Father, if you, if you if if you and Vivian are happy with it, is that I've sort of got to page fifty-eight is, is the, the dissolution of man. We've managed to do almost sixty pages. You know that's a reasonable pace, mm-hmm. and we don't have to stop at the end. of We can just carry on. Mean so we you can still set chapter two, and we'll see if we can catch up.
1: Okay, let's let's do so, that. We'll
2: start start from page fifty-eight next
1: time, perhaps. Yes, fifty-eight. All right, it's a new a new section there. All right. So thanks, everyone, for if, you, if there's anybody there. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching and listening. God bless you. See you next week. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Form Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at form